Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. I am the great Brian Last. It's my pleasure to be with you once again as we look back at Mid-South Wrestling Television from August 21st, 1982 in Shreveport, Louisiana, taped at the Irish McNeil Boys Club on August 18th, 1982. But before we get going any further, the man who joins me each and every week, you know him from booking the territory, and of course, from here, the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review, Mike Mills. Mike, another fun week, I think we had. This is a good episode, I'd say. Yeah, because we've been waiting for what's going to happen in this episode for a couple of weeks, so it's... You know, the Mid South is a Mid South is a is a fun territory in many ways. But one of the things that you find a pattern in these episodes is you have enhancement talent matches and matches where not much is happening. Let's let's be frank about that and real. But then you have big matches that happen along the way, somewhere in the middle, sometimes at the beginning of the episode, such as like DiBiase and Duggan versus JYD and Olympia for the Mid South Wrestling Tag Team Title. So yeah, fun episode. Uh, you got some really good stuff uh, packed up into this one. And we have a really interesting opening here this week because Boyd Pierce and Bill Watts start up and they run down several things. And we'll talk about them in a second. But let's play this audio right now. Here's Boyd Pierce and Bill Watts opening up the show with a few updates. And we'll be right back. And I'm Boyd Pierce, your host. Let me tell you that Kevin Von Erich, the outstanding young star from Lake Dallas, Texas, makes his debut this week. Also, if we have time permitting, we'll have not one, but two title matches here on television. The Mid-South Tag Team Championship as Mr. Olympia and the Junkyard Dog defend against Ted DiBiase and Hacksaw Dugan. Also, the Louisiana State Crown. It'll be the champion, Killer Khan, in against the challenger, Iron Mike Sharp. Captain Redneck Dick Murdoch is back from an international tour. Also from Atlanta, Mr. Rassing, too. It adds up to lots of exciting action. We'll have interesting interviews as well. But the man who will really give you the expert commentary and tell you all about it, our good friend and yours, our guest commentator of the week, Cowboy Bill Watts. Bill? Well, thank you, Boyd Pierce. I don't know how Grizzly Smith does it. He just continually outdoes himself with these television matches. Uh, some bad news is that precious Paul Ellering has re-injured that knee, the same knee that's the third time in a year. It looks like his career may be really uh, at a standstill, and we want to wish him the best and that hope that certainly that it's not as serious as the last two times. The other thing is the jockeying behind the scenes that's been going on with uh, matchmaker Grizzly Smith and Ted DiBiase and the Junkyard Dog. As you know, the dog had refused to wrestle on television for three weeks, forcing matchmaker Grizzly Smith to do his best to get DiBiase in the ring. The dog wanted a North American title match with Ted DiBiase. DiBiase maintains he has defended the title against the dog and successfully that before the dog can get a title bout here on television, he's got a DiBiase and his partner, Hacksaw Dugan, or Duggan with two Gs, I believe, he's got to give them a Mid-South tag title match. Well, to make a long story short, Grizzly Smith finally got dog to agree that if the dog successfully defends the Mid-South tag titles today on TV against Dugan and DiBiase, that the dog will give will be given a North American title bout here on TV against DiBiase. So that's the status on that match. And, of course, the second match is for the Louisiana title, Iron Mike Sharp against Killer Khan. Now, several of these will be standby matches. It doesn't make them any less important. It's just Grizzly Smith, again, trying to give the fans at home as much as they can possibly get. And this first match is going to be a great one. We have Kevin Von Erich. What a tremendous wrestling family in Dallas in Fritz von Erich, and three sons active in wrestling, Kevin, David, and Kerry. 
you know, there's been Gagne and his son, Vern Gagne and his son, Greg Gagne. There's been Eddie Graham and his son, Mike. There's been the Funks at one time were all three active before Dory Sr. died. Dory, Terry, and Dory Jr., and two of them were world's champions. But I've never seen a dynasty like it's been Ray. It's almost like the TV series uh, dynasty, uh, the wrestling dynasty out of Dallas. Let's go to Reeser Biden now for Kevin Von Erich. Welcome him to Mid-South Wrestling. Well, there you hear it, Mike, an update on several things. Let's go one at a time. Precious Paul Ellering, once again, third time, injures his knee. He will not be coming back. Yeah, we talked about that a couple weeks back, I believe, just with the knee injury and whatnot. And I couldn't remember. I knew it was happening soon, allegedly, like that. You know, he not that his injury wasn't real. What I mean is I knew it was happening soon, that he was about to be injured or, you know, was going to be gone. I just I couldn't quite remember the exact date. So there you go. Uh, third time injuring it. And uh, according to Watts, it's a career ending. So there you go. Uh, precious Paul. God bless you, and thank you for those great workout segments, especially the one on the pipe doing the pull-ups and the absurdity of it all. But uh, it looks like uh, those things are coming to an end or have ended. He's off the shows by August 14th. I don't have any results for August 13th. And on August 12th, he beat Billy Starr in Little Rock, Arkansas. I don't know if that's where he injured himself, but it would have been either on the 12th or the 13th that he got injured. And, uh, yep, that's it with Paul Ellering. No more uh, wacky promos. And really, in, in so many different ways, it was funny, but it did not fit in with anything else that was happening in Mid-South Wrestling. He was so different. And you may say unique is a good thing, but it was so unique and so different from everything else in Mid-South that at times it just seemed a little too much. Yeah, it, it, it was off the wall. I mean, we laughed and joked about it, but in, in a nutshell, like when you really, really think about it, we didn't, I mean, it's funny now all these years later, 35 years later but back then you're just kind of like um it really didn't fit but it was comedy and we had a lot of fun and you know think about all the traffic that we've gotten via twitter over the ellering segments it, it definitely lent to some great entertainment on the show so uh thank you paul ellering for those workout segments especially the one where the poor kid is attached to your ass and you're doing pull-ups on a pipe so then bill watts <laughs> says Jim Dugan, actually, it's Duggan. There's two G's. And then less than 30 seconds later, it's back to calling him Dugan. <laughs> yeah, you caught that, too. I can't say anything more. That was exactly what happened. <laughs> and putting over to Von Erickson, it's an interesting period of time here because now that Bill Watts took over Oklahoma, remember, there were certain towns that Fritz Von Erich and I think even Vern Gagne owned a piece of. I think Oklahoma City was owned by... Vern and Fritz also. So that's why all of a sudden, right around this time, and you know, we're about to go to Kevin Von Erich in here, Kerry Von Erich shows up on the cards in Oklahoma City because he's being sent up by Fritz to work on this town that he owns a piece of for Bill Watts. And here's Kevin on the TV, and they, you know, put him over like a million dollars, and we'll talk about him in a second. But there's a relationship with the Von Erichs and Bill Watts right now that it'll break apart in a few years, but right now it's pretty strong. Yeah, I, I, I you summarize that pretty well. There's nothing else I can add other than to say you're right. They, uh, you know, they have a partnership. I guess you can call it right now, especially since they're kind of running some same towns and cities. So there you have it. And then uh, Kevin Von Erich, like they said, they throw it to a match with him and, and Billy the Char the Star Child Star up next. They know him well. They just don't know how to spell his name because on the screen it says Kevin Von Erich E R I K. So. 
You know that's a, I mean he's he's being sarcastic. You're being sarcastic. That's a mid south thing. That's a southern wrestling thing too, because world class was famous for putting the K at the end of Ric Flair as well. Um, Von Eric uh, numerous times is spelled with a K. Uh, Murdoch is spelled with a K. Uh, and that's I'm, I think I'm just scratching the surface of the misspellings when it comes to Mid-South wrestling. Uh, the quality, let's just say quality control wasn't in the cards back then. <laughs> there was no budget for that type of stuff. We need a list, the elusive K. <laughs> Where did it pop up in wrestling? <laughs> Which territory? Which wrestler? Well, I think I think in world class, they even took it a step further because like if you remember the angle with like Gary Hart leading up to Star Wars 82, they even show the check that like Hart supposedly wrote to Flair and it, it, it had a K on the end for Rick. I think so, unless I'm misremembering it. But yeah, it, it's it's just crazy, man, that again, no quality control, dude. It was just they they just kind of flew by the seat of their pants when it came to putting up those graphics with the names on it. And Von Eric was. Uh, E-R-I-K. However, if the check was coming from Gary Hart, remember that Gary Hart called him Ricky Flair. Right. That that used to kill me. Ricky Flair. (laughs) Why do you call him Ricky? Ricky Flair. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's get back to this match here before we get too off track. (laughs) Kevin Von Erich versus Billy, the star child star with Rick Ferreira as the referee. Kevin Von Erich in a cape. A a white cape. He looks like he's from another planet. And I don't mean that in like a crazy way, but compared to everyone else you see in wrestling, we've been watching Mid-South Wrestling for a long time now. You, know, you hear the thing that people used to say, like the Von Erich's like Greek gods. You kind of see it. All of a sudden, he's dropped into here. He looks like no one else there. He definitely does. I mean, he's... I, I, someone will correct me, but he shows up white tights, barefoot for obvious, you know, because Kevin was known for the barefoot working. He's got a cape. It's a white cape, but it's got a gold inside of it. Um, ironically, was it Ellerine last week or week before who had a cape? Um, so here we are with uh, another wrestler with a cape, but Ellerine's cape was was a little bit different than Kevin's. Kevin's was was again white with a gold, uh, gold on the inside. But he does. He, he looks different. I mean, he's plain white trunks and. And barefoot. So that's just, I know that sounds crazy, but it's kind of unique for, for back then. I mean, and I know Kevin had been working barefoot already for a little while, but my point is, yeah, he, he definitely has a different look. And boy, his drop kicks to Billy Starr in this match were just, uh, Kevin, Kevin didn't disappoint with his uh, Texas tough style, as I, uh, I guess I'll call it. Well, that's the thing. You see him take off his thing and he looks like he should be in some kind of movie or something. He just looks like a, like this chiseled thing, but then you watch him and he is stiff as shit. He throws a knee in the corner at one point and you yeah. hear Billy start go, oh, you hear, you hear it. And I think it's real because Kevin is just, he's tough. But let's hear some audio. Let's hear, uh, this is what you and I think. Let's hear what Bill Watts and Boyd Pierce have to say about these Von Erichs. To the second and calls for the bell, Kevin Von Erich. Here, he's the oldest of the three brothers in active participation now. It's Kevin, followed by David and Kerry, and then there's two more at home. That's Mike and Chris. Bill? Oh, boy, you said it all. It's quite a family, and they're all very athletic. Kevin was an all-conference running back at North Texas State University until four knee injuries or knee operations cut his uh, career short as a running back. He's also in the high hurdles and track and field and the high jump. Tremendous young athlete, as all of them are. They're fine young men. David Von Erich was a basketball star. Kerry Von Erich still holding a national record in the discus. 
And, of course, we've seen Kerry here on Mid-South Wrestling, and uh, now we have Kevin. We're looking forward to these young stars. What? Look at that leg strength. They're all noted for their tremendous uh, leg power. It's just tremendous drive. He flat-footed, went up and drop-kicked Billy Starr right out from under himself. You know, Mike, when I watch Kevin Von Erich in action, it's hard for me to imagine a heel calling the match. Does that make sense to you? It's hard for me imagining a heel saying, all right, Kevin, let's do this now. It seems like Kevin has in his mind what he's going to do. He knows it's a work, but he's not even going to let you know it that he knows it's a work. And he's throwing these drop. There's one drop kick. There's, there's a few, but there's one. He just, it's a perfect drop kick. Literally right to Billy Starr's face. Yeah, because he knocked him, he hit him so hard, his great-grandkids felt it. He, James Beard told me one time, and James Beard was a, a world-class referee, not not during the heyday, but he was like, I asked him, I said something one time about Kevin and how he worked and his stiffness, and and I was like, I remember one time Chris Adams, hearing Chris Adams talk about it, say, man, sometimes those matches, they they literally turn into a shoot. And James Beard, I can't, and I, I'm, I'm misquoting him, I know, because I don't remember his exact words. But he said something to the effect of, man, Kevin thought it was a shoot. <laughs> like, like, he went in and it just, it was like, the rules went out and he almost thought it was a shoot. And if you hear Kevin talk about his style, I've heard him use the term, well, that was a Texas style and that was just the style we worked there. And, and, and I get it. But, man, I, I agree. I can't imagine a heel calling a match with Kevin. It's just like you get you in there. With how do you do it? How do you call a match I, with him? <laughs> well, and here's the thing. Like, one man gang was was a, was a stiff worker. And I've heard gang tell Von Eric stories. And gang's like, if you didn't go in there and stand your ground, Kevin would eat you alive. And he was like, you had to go in there and you better give it back just as bad as they give it to you or else you 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 were going to get eaten up. And Gang is a big, massive man. And for him to say that about Kevin Von Erich, and he wasn't let me let me let me be clear. He wasn't like bagging on him and Ke he said actually says Kerry wasn't that bad if I remember but he just was like man Kevin was just brutal in there like he would eat you up and you better you better fight back or you were in trouble so like I agree and this is gang like this is not a small man this is a heel this is a heel saying that so to the point you're making now I've never asked him like how did you call it I never went that far but that's a good question if I ever talked to him again I would ask but it's a good point that you make like just to have your average heel walk in there and call a match there's no way Kevin's gonna like I just don't see it because he threw those drop kicks and kicks to your head and punches there, there was he, there was no give on him it just was he was blasting you man there's no way the heel ever said now shoot me in the corner and then come in and hit me as hard as you can in the kidney. Right. <laughs> no one ever, no one called that spot. That's his spot. Your self-preservation as a human would stop you from saying that because you don't want to die. And that's my thought. On, that's my <laughs> I, I mean, I've seen enough of Kevin. I do, I do a world-class show as well. And I've seen enough with Kevin recently where I'm like, he gave zero Fs about someone and this sounds mean but you watch it and kevin will say well we were just trying to make it look real I, I get that i get trying to make it look real but there are times when kevin just came in and would just go 
I mean, just crazy. There's a fourth Fort Worth show that uh, I was watching recently, and he runs in, and this is when Mike Von Erich is in, and this is, I believe, after David passes, and he's just laying punches in to the Von Erichs, uh, to the Von Erich, to the Freebirds. And man, there is no let up. It's not working punches or kicks. He is potatoing Hayes and Gordy. And I'm just thinking to myself, holy crap, this dude just don't care. And again, Kevin will tell you, oh, that was just the style we worked. I get it, but damn, dude, you're killing me. Who's we? Who's we? For it to be we, it has to be more than one person. Who is the (laughs) other person working that style that Kevin is working where you just beat the crap out of the other guy? But you know I'm not lying. That's I why know you're not lying, but I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> Michael Hayes, he was stiff. But, like, Kerry wasn't known for, like, people didn't go, oh, no, I have to work with Kerry. I better, you know, put on my knee pads and my elbow pads and my shoulder pads. Right, right. And, again, I, I've, I'm, I've, I'm close with a couple of guys who worked with both of them, and and they've said that those exact things that you said, that they were like, Kerry wasn't as bad. They they said Kerry could be stiff, but it was like Kerry wasn't as bad. But Kevin, oh my God, he would just get in there and you'd be in trouble. Um, there, there's uh, the the Twitter people out there will love this because they say I talk about Rod Price too much, even though I don't. But it's the only reference I have to Kevin Von Erich with some of these things. And and Rod was telling me a story one time where Kevin hit him with a drop kick and and bladed him from his freaking toenail, just slicing his forehead open. <laughs> So it's like he was like and I was like so was it worse than him just hitting you flat footed and kicking you with that foot or just the blade job he's like I don't know man but I saw stars just from some of the kicks Kevin would throw at me um he just again I, you know we're off the topic a little but it's worth talking about here in this match because you see it in a couple of instances with Billy the Star Child Star where Kevin just knocks this dude into you know, five years later. I mean, the guy's grand, great grandkids felt these kicks and punches and forearms. It's, it's crazy. And this isn't even the worst that you'll see. And when I say worse, I mean, stiff, it's not even some of the roughest stuff you'll see. There's stuff that they didn't work. He did in world-class where it's like, I'd have to believe, man, if he wasn't freaking the, the son of the promoter, man, they'd have had some trouble in the back. I mean, well, that's I ain't, the thing. That's who's going to say anything. Who's going to say, Hey, Kevin, you're too stiff in there. Like, you know, Hey, you're a wimp. You know, like you know, he's not gonna back down, right? And I'm, and that's the thing. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that Kevin's not a legit, not like not a tough guy that he wouldn't fight back. I, I think if somebody approached him, he'd be like, "Screw you," and they'd go to blows. That's not my point. But my point is, people aren't even gonna do that because he's the son of the promoter, so he's kind of protected and can just. I hate to say it, but it's real. Take liberties with people's bodies. And I know nobody wasn't seriously injured, but it's just like when you watch it, it's like, holy crap. Then now the one positive to it is we looked at him. We're like, this crap ain't fake. This is some real stuff that we're watching. (laughs) They are. He is. They are killing these guys in world class. I mean, so. Can you you imagine, though, Jim Cornette has said the ring in the Sportatorium was the hardest ring. It was impossible. Like, that was the reason why Gina Hernandez took those bumps where he, like, landed hands first. Well, you know, almost like sitting down. It's because that ring right. was so hard. So imagine one way you have Kevin hitting you, beating the crap out of you, and then you can't bump because the ring is a rock. It's Bruh. like you can't win. Imagine working a program with the Von Erics for six months. <laughs> so as a kid, you don't realize it as much as when you're older. But when you go back and watch some of those world classes on the network before you change the rings, and it's years before they change that ring, that yeah. ring 
like a damn stage at a concert. It ain't freaking moving. I've seen, I've watched the Super Destroyers. You know, they would do that superplex off the second rope. And I just look at the fall these guys take from that spot. And I'm like, good God, the ring doesn't move a centimeter. It's like, holy crap. The I can't. All, so, yeah, add that into working with Kevin on a nightly basis where he's just slapping you in the head with those feet and just punching you and knocking teeth out. It's pretty damn. That was a rough territory to work. No doubt about it. And. Kevin didn't make it any less rough uh, if you had to work with him on a nightly basis. And I think this is within, if it's not within months, it's within the first year that he started wrestling without boots. Remember, he wasn't always barefoot. Originally, he wrestled with boots. When he went to Georgia, he was in boots still. So this is, you know, within a year of him losing the boots. Yeah, actually, I say, no, I want to say, I want to say it was like earlier in 82 was when he finally ditched the boots. I might be wrong, but I'm just thinking about off the top of my head. You're right. I can remember seeing the the early 82 stuff on the network where uh, he's, he's got the, he's got the boots on. I, um, my, my timeline might be not 100% correct, but you're right. He's not, he's not even a, I don't even think he's a year into without boots at this point uh, in August 82, but uh, nice sidetrack, but still we had to talk about it because he's just in there killing poor Billy, the star child star. Kevin wins with a splash, not off the top rope or anything, just runs the rope and gives him a splash. And it looks like it really would hurt you. And I think it really did hurt Billy Starr. So Kevin wins that match. The next one, this is the big one, the Mid-South Tag Team Champions, the Junkyard Dog and Mr. Olympia versus the North American Champion, Ted DiBiase, and Hacksaw Duggan with Alfred Neely as the referee. They've been building this one up. Here it is. Before we talk about anything, Mike, and there's a lot to talk about, let's hear a little of the opening audio from Cowboy Bill Watts calling the action. My boy Pierce, the whole arena here at the Irishman Neal Boys Club was just in, in tremendous anticipation of this match. The junkyard dog has been put in a position that he doesn't like in trying to force Grizzly Smith into a confrontation with him and DiBiase. He wanted a North American title match here on TV. He felt that Mid-South should have given him that after the way he was actually ripped off of that title. DiBiase refused to put the title up here on TV unless he got a Mid-South tag title match. So to show you the kind of man the dog is, he said, if we defend our titles and hang on to them successfully against DiBiase and Dugan, can I be guaranteed a title match here on television for the North American title? And DiBiase agreed. So this is the condition of this match. And, of course, we know DiBiase and Dugan are going to do their best to defeat the dog and Mr. Olympia for the Mid-South titles because DiBiase wants the dog out of Mid-South. He wants the uncontested number one position here in Mid-South. And, of course, there's another little cloud on the DiBiase horizon, a big redneck, a Captain Redneck, an ex-Marine. who just back in June. Uh-oh, uh-oh, Boyd. Dugan's head. Want DiBiase to tag in, and DiBiase didn't want to get in there against the dog. There may be method to DiBiase's madness in selecting Dugan as a partner. Dugan's reputation in the NFL was a man that had no regard for his own personal safety in the suicide squads, kickoff, kick-receiving teams, punt teams in the NFL. Dugan is an animal, an All-American out of SMU. And he's out there, and then DiBiase figures maybe here's a guy that'll give it 150%. Now tag is made. Mr. Olympia, the Mississippi champion, no slouch himself. He and the dog have defended this Mid-South tag title against some of the top teams. They beat the Samoans for it. 
beat them decisively, force them out of the Mid-South area. Big John Stud, Super Destroyer, they beat them. Killer Khan and the one-man gang, and there! Mr. Olympia about at DiBiase for the count. DiBiase a little upset, seemingly a little surprised. Fast-moving action, boy, Pierce. There's the dog tagged in. Look at DB, look at DiBiase, get out! He was doing some fast backpedaling. And the crazy man Nugent's in there. The crowd is really letting DiBiase know it's just pleasure. He calls himself the fighting champion, but right now he sure doesn't want any part of JYD. Well, Mike, there we hear it, some of the audio. And by the way, this is a great example of how good Bill Watts is at calling a match. We hear a lot of audio here on the show of maybe just a, a match between a undercard guy and a main eventer, and he starts talking about whatever or explaining an angle. But here's Bill Watts explaining things in the midst of this main event match while calling the action. Boyd Pierce does not get a word in. But Watts is just on top of it. Watts is great here. Yeah, he's he's phenomenal. I mean, and, and you you'll hear it, you hear it all the time. But like, there's a couple of episodes, you know, coming up where he's not on the mic, especially one with Bob Roop. Uh, and you're like, you you sit there and you watch the episode and you listen as you're watching, obviously, and you're just like, man, this this episode needs Watts so bad. And Watts was just great right there. I mean, he gives his thoughts on the match. He's, you know, reiterating if JYD and Olympia win this match, then JYD gets to wrestle DiBiase for the North American title. He's just spot on here, man. And he he is, uh, we say this all the time, but he narrates, he narrates the story. And he 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 doesn't insult you. He doesn't scream at you. It's 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 what it needs to be for pro wrestling. And we sound like a broken record every single time we say it, but he's just that darn good at it. They've done a really good job of making the fans accept Jim Duggan as DiBiase's partner as like an equal, not an equal in terms of like being a champion, but just he's at that level of main eventer or almost main eventer. He's in that top mix. They accepted him right away, but he wasn't like forced down anyone's throat. He was just put there week after week. It was explained. All of a sudden they're doing interviews together. And, you know, when you really think about it, this is August 21st episode. He's only been in there a couple of months, really full time. Actually, maybe even less than that, full time. Yeah, because remember, he came in uh, with Akbar and then he went away for, for uh, I don't know, four to six weeks, if I've got my timeline correct. And then he comes back and uh, he's 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 got a different look. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago than when he first came in. And but they did. They kind of did it well. And. And, you know, he's I guess you would call him almost like like DiBiase's muscle, uh, even though Duggan's not this huge muscular guy, even though he is very massive. Um, but Watts does a good job of also selling how crazy Duggan is. Um, I mean, if you're a football fan, not so much now with special teams. But back in the day, you heard Watts was talking about how he was just crazy. Man, back in the 80s, for you to play special teams in football, you are a nutcase. You're still crazy today in 2019 to play special teams. But they've kind of uh, made the rules a little safer as it pertains to special teams where you don't need to be as crazy, even though football players are absolutely nuts. Yeah, they got um, rid of the clothesline. They got rid of the cocaine. They got rid of the steroids. Like everything that made those squads insane, they got rid of. Well, not just that, but like the rules in special teams, not to get too technical here, is like back in back in the 80s, man, you could form a wedge on a kickoff return. And if you were a wedge buster, you were literally like a guy like Duggan. And I don't know if Duggan was a wedge buster, but you just run down a field full speed for, you know, for 50 yards and literally 
throw your body into three other human beings the same size as you to try to break up the wedge so some of your outside folks or your other special teams folks could make the tackle, which was suicide in itself. But anyway, so I say all that to say he's saying that and tying that into pro football because Duggan was crazy. He's trying to, you know, get across that Duggan is a wild man and he's not afraid of nothing. And that that's one thing Watts wants in his wrestlers. He wants guys who ain't afraid of nothing, can really, you know, win a bar fight and ain't and are just going to go in there and go balls to the wall for him. So uh, and he's he's told that story well with with Duggan. And you're right. He kind of introduced him slowly into this thing with DiBiase. And now. They're tied at the hip. A couple of weeks ago, we you kind of mentioned, hey, we're, it's the beginning of the Rat Pack. It really was, and, and it is right now. It's the beginning of what we'll see down the road with the Rat Pack. But they didn't just throw it out there like, bam, here's the Rat Pack. Here's a new faction. It's it's building, and it still hasn't even built to the Rat Pack, but it's slowly getting there, and Duggan's been introduced well into this. So long story short, man, this is, this is really good, and the, the finish here is even better uh, that we're going to talk about shortly. We're going to get to the finish in a second, but one other thing I did want to play here. At the top of the show, you heard Bill Watts mention standby matches. You've heard them mentioned many times, and you've heard about many standby matches here on this show. Bill Watts, in the middle of this match, gives an explanation on the standby matches, and I always love this kind of thing, this kind of detail thrown into Mid-South Wrestling. Let's hear this audio right now. We have five standby matches booked. Six commercial breaks in Mid-South Wrestling that are required by the stations in our network. Therefore, Grizzly Smith always has matches booked to fill each commercial position after it. However, oftentimes we don't have time for the last match. May not have time for several of the matches with two championship matches. Uh-oh. Devios managed to foul the dog from the outside. He and Dugan have got their teamwork together and it looks like the dog is a man they're trying to put down well let's stop it there but there you hear it we have standby matches because we are contractually obligated to have six commercial breaks for our network so we need to make sure we have a match scheduled for each break yeah you gotta give you gotta give watts uh, some credit there he's he's given He's being honest and he's just explaining to you why we have standby matches and you know, in all honesty, it's a perfect thing to do because who's to say this match wouldn't go the full TV time? So, yeah, it, it lends credibility to the fact that it's a real struggle and a real fight. What's Cornette always say? You know, you want it to, to be a real struggle and a real fight. Well, we don't know if this real struggle and fight of a match is going to go two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, or 20 minutes. So we have to plan for standby matches if it doesn't go the full time. And as well as here's why we have commercial breaks. It's just... It's just Watts kind of being in, in, in an unreal way in, an unre- in a sport that's a work. It's Watts being real with his fans. And they do give this some time, Mike. They give this match, I was going to say close to 10 minutes, but maybe eight minutes, nine minutes on the air from beginning to end. And that's a lot of time for a television main event on Mid-South Wrestling. Let's hear a little bit of the audio of the end of this match, and then you and I will talk about it on the other side. It's breaking down now. Rules are out the book. They're all four in there. It's turned into a four-man war. Referee Alfred Neely having a hard time trying to signify one man each, but it's out of control. These men just, they got things and scores to settle. That backfired on DiBiase and Dugan. They ran Dugan in. Oh, the dogs got DiBiase. Legal men in the ring right now as Dugan and Mr. Olympia Referee Neely telling Dog to get out, and DiBiase's out. 
Tag was made, tag was made. The dog has been tagged into the ring, but Dugan speared that illegal spear move, speared Olympias. Neely's signifying that DBI, the dog is the legal man in the ring, but Dugan, I don't think, is aware of the tag, and DiBiase is not aware of the tag. They think Olympia's still the legal man in, and DiBiase power slam. They think they got victory in their grasp. DiBiase into the figure four. Alfred Neely's telling him, no, 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 no. And here comes the dog, and Dugan doesn't know what's happening, but he's in there. Dog's firing away. Dog is the legal man in the ring, and DiBiase. Ted DiBiase, I'm sure, is confused right now, but the dog just stumped him, and there's the count. They've retained the Mid-South Tag Team titles. Bill, if I can hear the bell over the end of the crowd, they're going wild. DiBiase and Dugan are really confused. They don't know what's happened, but the crowd does. Junkyard Dog and Mr. Olympia retain their Mid-South Tag Team Championship belts. We'll be back with more action after this word from Mid-South Wrestling. Mike, this was a really good match. They gave it time. With a really clever finish, that would be very easy to mess up, and the dog and Olympia and Alfred Neely and Duggan all got it right. What did you think? What are your notes? Explain this for anything that wasn't apparent in hearing the audio, the commentary, and also what are your thoughts on what I just said about how well they pulled off that spear in the corner, false tag, or not even a false tag, the, the real tag, but the heels didn't recognize it. Uh, so it was perfect. I mean, that was that was a really, really good finish. And Watts, Watts actually did a really good job of of talking through it. I want to make one more point about what you were saying a second ago. So this match goes, yeah, roughly 10 minutes. And you got to figure with, a you know, 45 minutes without commercials of airtime. I mean, you're looking at almost one fourth of the show. So, yeah, they, they definitely got a lot of time. I mean, that, that would that that's, um, you know, like a 45 minute match if you were to see one on Raw these days. But anyway, um, the, the finish was perfect. I mean, because like you've got Olympia and Duggan are in the ring. And Olympia is starting. He he's he's kind of woozy, so he's starting to struggle towards the corner. And Duggan trying to take Olympia out spears Olympia in the back, which causes Olympia to fall forward into Dog, who's outside the ring at the corner. So the tag is technically made. And and what's great is you see Alfred Neely say it: tag made. You know he's slapping his hand. Tag made. And then Watts is reinforcing it: the tag is made. The tag is made because Watts knows what what they're doing. So. But Dog, because Olympia hits him, takes a bump, a little slight bump to the outside. He's not knocked out, but he's outside the ring. Meanwhile, in the ring, you got DiBiase, who then he he's now been uh, tagged, and he's now in the ring, and he's putting Olympia in the figure four. But again, Olympia is not the legal man. So Dog eventually rolls back into the ring as the legal man. And But Duggan and DiBiase, they don't realize Dog is the legal man because all they're thinking is, man. Dugan or Duggan, sorry, <laughs> speared Olympia in the back, and they're thinking Olympia is still legal. So JYD eventually gets a hold of DiBiase, and he hits DiBiase with a thump. Again, DiBiase not realizing this is the legal man, and when he hits him, Dog goes down to pin DiBiase, and Alfred Dealey makes the count because again, Dog was the legal man, and Dog and Olympia retain the titles. It was um. It wasn't complicated. It was simple, but it still was a lot to do because you had, you know, four or five guys, including the ref, involved in it. But give those guys credit. They pulled it off really well. It got over well. You saw the way the crowd reacted. And then Watts did a great job of explaining, in case you didn't see it at home, the fact that Dog was still the legal man. Do uh, 
Watts did a great job of explaining dog is legal. Dog is legal. That way you knew all the time, man, he's legal. He's legal. And then when it finally happened, it was an even, even bigger eruption. So just a really good finish. I, I enjoyed it. Like you said, Junkyard Dog pinned Ted DiBiase with the thump. And from there, we go to our next match. Captain Redneck Dick Murdoch versus Tug Taylor with Rick Ferreira as the referee. And there's not much to say about this match, but I do have some audio to play. Here's Bill Watts, a little bit about Dick Murdoch, but also about what's going on now with the North American title because Ted DiBiase, the North American champion, was just pinned by the Junkyard Dog. What does that mean? Let's find out. Boy, Pierce, only you can put it in those kind of words, and you're exactly right. Two weeks ago, we saw him from Osaka, Japan, in an interview in a match. And then here he is. He's been to Dubai, and he's been, you, you name it, Dick Murdoch's been there. He's an international star, a rough, tough, double-tough hombre. Here is Tug Taylor. And that title situation could really be a clouded issue right now because the junkyard dog by his team just defending successfully those Mid-South Tag Titles, he's promised a North American title match here on television. But also, already signed next week for the North American title is Ted DiBiase against the man you see right there, Captain Redneck Dick Murdoch. And of course, all that is providing the DiBiase, by the time we see him here next on TV, is still the champion. You remember we had a title match set and signed here a few weeks ago with DiBiase and Bob Roop, but Bob Roop wasn't the champion when he got here. The junkyard dog was, and that's what's got the whole Mid-South area in an uproar right now is the results of that match when DiBiase took extreme measures against his former best friend, the junkyard dog, when the title became bigger and greater than friendship. Well, there you hear it. The title became bigger and greater than friendship. I like that line. Yeah, I mean, and it kind of goes along with what we've said about the just the whole title and you know it was like at the end of the day DiBiase was more worried about himself and him getting a title than he was a friendship and you know he went into self-preservation mode and was like I'm going to get that title and that's that Dick Murdoch wins with a brain buster and from there we get another main event match the Louisiana State Champion Killer Khan with General Skandar Akbar against Iron Mike Sharp who as we've seen the last several weeks has now twice pile-driven General Skandar Akbar. So Akbar does not like Mike Sharp, and here he is getting a title shot at the Louisiana State Champion, Killer Khan, who has seemed invincible almost since he's been in the area, with Alfred Neely as the referee. This was another somewhat long match. It felt like, at least it felt like it. What are your thoughts on the match? Any notes on the match, Mike? You actually nailed it. Uh, I, I, I don't have a ton of notes. I mean, they worked that old-school kick, punch, and pound each other. I mean, it, it was slow. I, I can't say it wasn't good because when they get to the finish, I felt like the fans reacted to it. But slow match, kicking and punching, it's two big guys. So, yeah, I mean, it, I, I don't know. To me, with these two, it's what I expected, um, especially when they when they worked the you know such a long match that they worked. I mean, they they had a lot of time in here. So um, the big note I had was much of the middle of the match. Also, Boyd and Watts were kind of quiet and just observing. It was almost like 
they were waiting. It was almost like Watts was waiting, and he wasn't getting mad, but he was like, okay, I'm re- once they get into the finish, I'll kind of, you know, kick it up a notch. I won't kick it up like I was with, you know, JYD in that tag match, but I'll, I'll kick it up a notch and we'll go from there. So that I, that's what I that's what I had from it. But Brian, this was this was a slow, old school, methodical, two big men type match uh, for Mid South. Well, we do have some audio here. The action did pick up, and it was interesting that Watts and Boyd did get silent for such a large portion of the match. It was almost as if they were thinking what we were thinking, which is, there's not a lot going on here, but it really does pick up, and here's another fun finish on the show. Let's go to this audio right now. Sharp one, sharp one for Agbar, and that, that may have been his fatal mistake. Khan got him from behind. Whoa, double thrust. Akbar finally distracted Iron Mike Sharp, and Mike Sharp, that may be his demise there. Killer Khan body slam him. Khan going for his patented move. There he goes. That's curtains for Iron Mike Sharp. Killer Khan's got him. He looks like he's successfully. Akbar's telling him to get up. Khan has the match won, but Akbar wants Sharp injured. He's telling Khan to go for the pile driver. Akbar wants Sharp injured. Sharp's got it. He's, he hadn't got he hadn't got Sharp yet. Sharp gets out of it. Iron Mike gets out of it. And here he goes for Akbar again. Iron Mike Sharp. He slams Akbar. Mike, watch for Khan. Khan's got him from behind. And Akbar, Akbar has really unleashed his venom on Mike Sharp. The crowd is cheering. I can't see what it's about yet. Here comes the Colonel. That's what the cheer was for. Here comes Colonel Robley. Colonel Robley, but Killer Khan got Robley from behind. Iron Mike Sharp. Sharp's got... Boy, Pierce will have to see if the referee counted it down. Referee's counted it down, calling for the bell. Boy, Pierce, you got a new Louisiana champion. You got a new Louisiana champion. And it's Canadian Iron Mike Sharp that takes the belt from Killer Khan, and you see the man in the ring, along with Khan, is General Skandor Akbar, Bill. And Colonel Buck Robley. And Killer Khan and Akbar are really upset. And we'll be back. We still have time. We'll see Mr. Rassing 2 in action after this word from Mid-South Wrestling. Like we said, the action really picks up there at the end. First thing I got to say, without getting too filthy, because this is a family program, Akbar gets up on the apron, Mike, to suggest a Killer Khan, no, do not end the match after your knee drop off the second rope, which you've destroyed everyone with. Pile drive him. This man has pile driven me twice. Pile drive him. And he tries to do like the pile driver motion, but it looks a lot less like, <laughs> like, please pile drive him as it does. Maybe please have your way with him. What, what do you, you have any thoughts on this? <laughs> I wish I need a screen grab. I need to record this <laughs> because he's, I, you're right. It's, it's a motion of almost. <laughs> you need to have your way with this man. I don't know how you said that right, but um, yeah, no, this was 
again, I said it a second ago, the people are kind of not really into it until we get to the end. And then that's when it picks up. And so to what Brian was saying, Khan nails, nails sharp with his big knee off the second rope. And then like Brian just said, Akbar instructs Khan to pile drive sharp instead of pinning him. And Akbar does this weird motion with his hands and his elephant trunk. Um, <laughs> sharp, sharp, sharp fights out of the pile driver though. And then Sharp then attacks Akbar. Alfred Neely takes another one of his famous fly out of the ring bumps. I, nobody does it better than Alfred Neely when it comes to that, but uh, he does it too often, in my opinion. But it is what it is. Uh, Khan and Akbar then double team Sharp, but uh, Colonel Buck Robley makes his way to the ring and he makes the save by the, by the time all this happens where Robley comes in and starts wheeling and dealing on Akbar and Khan Neely is getting back into the ring and then sharp rolls up Khan into a small package and escapes with a win. And you know, he's got the Louisiana title and when he pins him, the crowd comes alive. I mean, they were alive during the whole finish, but they were like, wow, he just won the Louisiana title. And you know, here's why I always say Mike Sharp wasn't done well. Uh, once he went to WWF, I mean, He's over in Mid-South at this point, and I know it's just a regional territory, but he's over. He's the champion. He's Louisiana champion, and, um, you know, it's not like he's out there cutting promos every week where he's on fire or whatnot, but he's their champ, and he's over now, and I, I enjoyed this, and the people loved seeing Khan. You can see the reaction from it. The people love seeing Khan and Akbar. You know, not only has Akbar been been pile-driven a couple of weeks in a row, but now he just lost the Louisiana title. Khan did, and uh, the people are happy about it. You're right. Alfred Neely takes a lot of bumps to the floor. A yeah. Lot, it, a lot. Yeah, it's it's often. <laughs> By the way, Buck Robley takes a bump to the floor here after Killer Khan, like, I don't know, scratches him. But he doesn't do yeah. anything to constitute a fall to the floor. Buck Robley just goes flying with Akbar for no apparent reason. Yeah, uh, I kind of caught that. I, I, I don't know. But Buckley... George Christopher Robley III does take a spill out to the outside. So uh, it was real. It was weird. He kind of just like fell onto the top rope and then took a, bu- it, it, if you're, if you pay attention to it, you'll be like, wow, that looked terrible. But your eyes were on the pin and you kind of really didn't, you might not have seen it. New Louisiana state champion, Iron Mike Sharp. And from there, we get our next match. Mr. Wrestling 2 returning to Mid-South Wrestling versus Mike Bond with Rick Ferreira as the referee. We have a little bit of audio from Bill Watts to start out here, talking about the previous match, but also the return of Wrestling 2 to the area. Wrestling 2 from Atlanta, Georgia. Bill Watts. Mr. 2 got a good welcome from the fans here in Mid-South Wrestling. They've watched him for years. He's been here in Mid-South. He's been an active champion here. He's also been the Georgia State champion. What can you say about Wrestling 2? He's a phenomenal athlete. Got to watch that knee. Mike Bond knows it, and he backed off there. Wrestling 2, reach it out. He'll pop you with that knee quicker than you can blink an eye. Iron Mike Sharp, what a fantastic thing. I'd say an upset, but it wasn't an upset. I think the only way you could call it as an upset is because Skandar Akbar had used his outside-the-ring skills to distract him, and it looked like Killer Khan had him beat, but then Akbar's greed, his cruelty, when he wanted the man pile-drived and hurt instead of just being satisfied with the victory. And Colonel Buck Robley's involvement cost Skandar Akbar's army a very critical move. They lost the Louisiana title. Let me stop it right there, Mike. There you hear Bill Watts summing up everything going on with Akbar and also the return of wrestling to it. And I hate to, to play spoiler or anything, but all I'm thinking about is what happens in a few weeks with wrestling too while I'm watching this, Mike. 
Yeah, I, I won't. I won't say anything else. Let's just, let's just leave it at what your comment was. But uh, it's uh, it's good to see wrestling too here. You know, uh, the masked man, uh, no knee pads when he gets into his match. But uh, I don't want to play. I, I'm with you. I, I'm gonna stay away from the spoilers right now as it pertains to wrestling too and and what's what's about to happen in a few weeks because it's gonna be fun. Mister Wrestling Two wins with his famous knee lift, and from there we get the next scheduled match scheduled to be. Colonel Buck Robley versus the one-man gang with General Skandar Akbar, Alfred Neely in the ring to be the referee. But we don't get one-man gang versus Buck Robley. Some other shenanigans takes place. Let's go to this audio right now. Now a special challenge match. This event is for one fall or remaining television time. In the red corner at 454 pounds, the one-man gang. And in the blue corner, at 242 pounds from Amarillo, Texas, Colonel Buck Robley. Wait a minute. You get in closer, you can listen, Robley. It's come down to the Mid-South area right now. It's either you or me. You stick your nose where it doesn't belong. Now, I've been accused of hiding behind my men. Like all great generals, I got to do what I got to do. You dig me, Robley? So you're forgetting I was North American champion around here for a long time. I was a great wrestler. Now I can have the one-man gang with your ugly knob. But I'm going to do it myself. Nobody calls you yellow. I call you yellow. So how about it, Robley, you and I? match with me, Akbar. You got it. It's just that easy. All you got to do is ask, and I'm here. That's it. That's what it's all about, and it's set. Okay, is that agreeable with you? Well, it seems that there has been a change. The one-man gang is going out of the ring. General Skandor Akbar is taking his place. Bill Watts, you heard what transpired in the ring. I'm watching too, Boyd Pierce. I'm watching. Akbar came out of the closet. He's got his tights on. He was a great wrestler. He was a North American champion, a tough one, a powerful man. But I still, I got to watch it. The general is sly. He's out there hammering the colonel. This is a match to see who's going to survive here in Mid-South. This is two people that one is going to run the other one out. It's a matter of supremacy, and Colonel Buck Robley firing back. Better watch it. The one-man gang's coming back. <laughs> I knew the general would stack the deck. There's the one-man gang coming back. The General Akbar, he's going to his tights, Boyd. Alfred Neely's calling for the disqualification. The fire. The general went for the fire, but Buck Robley. Buck Robley drop-kicked him. Buck Robley's firing away. Albert Neely calling for the disqualification. The colonel is holding his own against both of them. Colonel's firing away. Here comes Killer Cotton. Here Con. comes Killer Cotton. Here comes Killer Cotton, Boyd. Got three of them on the colonel. Three of them on the colonel. They're holding him at 454. It's dropping in on him. 454 pounds is dropping in on Boyd Pierce. I told you that the colonel, you got to watch the general. At all times, he'll stack the deck. They're wiping Colonel Robley. Buck Robley is at their mercy. Akbar putting the boots to him. Three on one. There comes Murdoch. Dick Murdoch. Mr. Wrestler 2. Iron Mike Sharp. They're coming to the... About all they can do at this point, Boyd Pierce. And the ring is cleared, and we'll be back after this important message from Mid-South Wrestling. They destroy Buck Robley. He does a great job of selling that he's dead after the one-man gang hits him with one elbow drop after another while Akbar and Killer Khan stomp on him. What'd you think of that? 
Yeah, I mean, you just said it. Akbar jumps from the beginning. They just jump on him. Akbar jumps Robley when the bell rings. Akbar tries to throw fire, but Robley drop kicks Akbar when he tries it. Oh, you know, gang, con, Akbar end up putting the boots to Robley. You know, it goes on a little while. Not, I mean, not too long, but they're, they're just destroying him. And then it finally takes Murdoch, Wrestling 2, and Sharp to come out to the ring to make the save on Robley before this thing is, you know, finally stopped. But, uh, I mean, there's nothing – you can't really say much else but the fact that Robley got the – he got the boots put to him before uh, the, the baby faces finally make the save and come out there and help him out. And that was that. The last match scheduled, the last standby match, was scheduled to be Jesse Barr versus Vinny Romeo. And they even have a graphic on the screen going to commercial break. But when they come out, they announce they do not have the adequate amount of time remaining for a match. And we've seen matches with like one minute left. But right. <laughs> they're saying, no, we do not have time for this match. However, Ted DiBiase and Jim Duggan have shown up by the announced station. And they are talking to Bill Watts and Boyd Pierce. Let's go to this audio right now as we close out the show. Well, Boyd Grizzly Smith during the commercial break came to us. And there's not enough air time for Vinny Romeo and Jesse Barr. And we thought that... With the title picture, the North American title picture, we'd get Ted DiBiase and uh, Hacksaw Dugan out here and interview him because, Ted, the stipulation today on the tag title match is if you guys didn't win, if Dog and Olympia maintained their titles, that you would give the Junkyard Dog a North American title match here on television. And, of course, next week, you're already signed against Dirt, Dick Murdoch. Well, as so. far as I'm concerned, the match that took place to here is the biggest ripoff that ever come down the pike. Now, Junkyard Dog was not the legal man of the ring. We had Olympia down in the middle of the ring. I had to figure for on him. He was giving up. He's saying I quit. And not only did the referee let the Junkyard Dog back in the ring and let him beat on me, he let him thump me and pin me, and he actually counted a three count. Gave him the match and gave him the belts. There's now, something wrong and there's something there's very wrong. There's a conspiracy, that's right. And the second thing... As the North American Heavyweight Champion, I am only obligated to defend this title once in 30 days. Now, next week, they're sending Dick Murdoch after me. If it's not Junkyard Dog, it's that crazy Buck Robley. Now it's Dick Murdoch. They're stacking the deck against me, Watts. They are stacking the deck against me because they want to get rid of me. They're protecting the dog just like they've always protected him. Well, let me tell you something, Murdoch. You bring your old 49 Ford pickup truck and that tobacco spit hanging out the side. You bring your smelly fat girlfriends that they ought to bring in in a livestock truck. And you come down here next week and you bring everything you've got, Murdoch. Because this time I'm not the rookie. This time I am not the pupil. I'm the North American champion. I am number one. I'm going to teach him a lesson. We didn't, we didn't really call you out here for a promotional tour of yourself. We called you out here to ask you about the situation with the junkyard dog. You're complaining that this tag match was not a legal decision? No, it wasn't a legal decision. Olympia never there made was, the tag. Never he never made the tag. He was given up. He was in the middle of the ring in my figure four leg lock saying, I quit, I quit. And here comes the junkyard dog. Referee lets him right in the ring. I want an impartial referee. Yeah. I want yeah. an impartial referee, a man that's respected, a wrestler that's respected around the world. I don't care who it is. I don't care who it is, Grizzly Smith. An impartial referee that'll judge a match fairly, and I want the match right back here in this ring. Of course, Boyd, I hate to interrupt. Of course, the, the films will show whether your, your gripe is legitimate or not, and we'll just have to see. Thank you, Bill. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, Boyd Pearson. Goodbye, everybody, from Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. A great ending to the show there, Mike, and the best promo we've seen Ted DiBiase do so far. He is fantastic as a heel. It's 
yeah. man, you see something like this and you're like, they made the right decision or that was the right decision to turn him on dog because he's so good. I mean, he's he's in there. He's talking about he and Duggan got screwed earlier in the match. You know, he's only required to defend his belt once every 30 days. He goes off on Dick Murdoch about, you know, Dick Murdoch tobacco chewing, driving an old beat up pickup truck with one of his big fat hogs in it and just, you know, for a woman. And he's then claiming that the referee, you know, was in part, he wants a, a fair referee, you know, in a rematch for these tag titles. It's just like he, everything he does, it's so good because he's just a slimy heel who just, you know, the world is against me. Woe is me. You're the champ. He's like, think about it. He's the champ, but he's crying and crying and just woe is me. And uh, this is terrible. And nobody respects me, dude. You're the champ. It's just perfect. I, I this was a really, really great promo from DiBiase right there. And it sounds believable. He sounds like a guy pissed off about what happened with that match. When Duggan starts chiming in about it too, it sounds like, you know, like you hear everyone now, everyone sounds scripted. Everyone sounds the same. These guys sound like guys who, really were ripped off and really you're upset about it. Like, that's the thing. The believability factor with Watts standing there, with Boyd standing there, you watched as the presentation. It just all seems plausible and believable because it's being set in a reasonable reality as opposed to some sort of silly fantasy world. I agree. They look like two guys who are really upset and mad about, you know, what just happened to them in, in it's, it's presented as as a real conflict that they have with what just happened to them, and they're fussing about it, and they want justice, and they got cheated, they got screwed. In their eyes, they really believe it, and they're conveying that they really believe it. They're not. It doesn't seem like an act. It seems like it's real, and that's the whole freaking point of pro wrestling. Well, Mike, with that, we wrap up another week of Mid South Wrestling, and I got to say, the show ended up being better than I thought it was going in. We ended up getting three really cool angles, or at least finishes to matches you know the mike sharp match wasn't the greatest but the finish was pretty cool and a really really nice episode here but as we wrap things up i want to remind you you can follow me on twitter at great brian last you can follow the arcadian vanguard podcast network on twitter at super podcast and you can follow the 605 super podcast on twitter at 605 pod you can also follow the arcadian vanguard podcast network on facebook the page facebook.com slash arcadian vanguard also want to remind you that you can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast, The Mothership, at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts, classic wrestling talk, and wrestling humor, The 605 Super Podcast. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Come check us out twice a week, Thursdays and Sunday nights. We drop a show Thursday. We drop our NWA Saturday night on TBS show. And on Sunday is a Smoky Mountain Wrestling recap where we are basically entering the last year of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. So there is three years of audio if you would love to catch up on it and have fun with us on that Smoky Mountain Wrestling ride, which has been a blast, I have to say. Uh, but yeah, check those shows out. You can find them at tinyurl.com slash bttpod or just search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. So wherever you're listening to this, you can find us there as well just by searching Booking the Territory. Tons of great interviews too. We've had Tracy Smothers on, Jim Cornette on, uh, One Man Gang, years and years ago was on so lots of fun stuff uh sam houston just a just a fun time we have we are the unprofessional wrestling podcast for a reason though myself hard body hopper and doc turner are definitely not politically correct as it pertains to talking old school southern wrestling and i'll just leave it at that also you can follow me on on twitter 
at Mike Five Hundred Four Saints. A lot of times I'll try to post uh, clips of the uh, the Mid South Show along with other various clips that I'll post wrestling related. So give me a follow again. It's Mike Five Hundred Four Saints. But Brian, thank you. Another great episode. Another fun ride. And you're right. Uh, this one was. Uh, we got a lot more out of this than I thought it w- we would when we were first um or when I first took notes on it to do the episode. So a lot of fun stuff happened here, and uh, more to come in the next couple weeks. The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho!